Today we're going to stay on the topic of learning about Jesus as a seed for the children of God. You and I can trace our roots all the way back to Jesus. We no longer need to trace our roots through our family into the family of Adam. We now belong to the family of God. Jesus made it possible for his father to become your father. That's a beautiful, powerful statement. Jesus made a way for you to be born into the family of God. It has to get into our heart. It has to be in our mind. It has to get into our doctrine that we believe that we're children of God. Not just in theory, not just in hope, but we are actually born into the family of God. We receive the new nature that came from Jesus. You are a child of God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This must get into our roots that we know that our real roots go into Jesus. Where does faith come from? Where does faith to believe for miracles in your life, to believe in your calling? Where does faith for believing for answered prayer, for finances, for healing? Where does faith come from for those things? What gives us the right to believe God for things? Many people in the world, they throw their prayer out and they're asking God to do something. But because we know our roots are in Christ, that I'm born again, I'm a child of God, I'm an heir of the kingdom of God, then that gives me the authority to believe and have faith that Jesus already paid the price for that. That I don't have to ask God for things that he already gave me. Faith changes to I am confessing and taking a stand and believing for things to be happened in my life that God has already given to me. I'm no longer begging God asking God, hoping that God will notice me, hoping that God might give me something. I am believing and standing in faith and what gives me a right to believe that I'm healed when the circumstances may say differently, what gives me a right to believe that I'm prosperous, what gives me a right to believe that my family's saved when circumstances may say something different, is that my roots are in Christ. I'm a child of God and therefore I'm an heir of the kingdom of God. So this study is so important to me that we, we learn this together. This study that we're having is so important because then you know by the word, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you're rooted in Christ. Through Christ, you're rooted into God and you are a child of God. And you have a right to receive all the promises of God. Not because you earned it, not because you paid for it, but because Jesus paid for it. You are an heir to the kingdom of God. So let's look at a few of our root verses, and then I'm excited to go into uh, John chapter 10. But before then, our root verses on this subject are Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, a living soul. So this is where God breathed life into Adam. And in that breath, he gave Adam the power of a seed to reproduce. Reproduce after his own kind. Now, originally, we know that the seed of God, which was Adam, was perfect and holy and beautiful and light and life, was as perfect as God was perfect in the image of God. Not divine, but in the image of God in holiness and beauty. But when Adam sinned now, he, his nature went from light to darkness. 
Now the seed was changed from being the seed of God for the human race to the seed of Satan for the human race. A man producing other children just like him, reproducing an image of sin that passed through all the generations, spread around the whole earth, no matter what culture uh, we're from, no matter what nation we're from, no matter what color we're from, we all come from that seed. But our existence came from the breath of God into Adam. Now let's go over to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. These are just our passing in review verses from this topic. And here God is prophesying his answer to Adam's failing. Here is God speaking about his answer, how to restore Adam's decision to play with sin. And I will put enmities, talking to the devil, between you and the woman, between, and between your seed, talking about Adam, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is prophesying about Jesus coming and kicking the devil in the head off of the authority of the earth, off the authority of mankind. Jesus will have full dominion over the earth and over the heavens in the end of Scripture. And it says here that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God, Jesus is going to kick him in the head, which he did, and bruise his head and kick him off of the authority, position of authority he owned and take the position of authority over mankind. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the seed is what I want to focus on because he uses the word seed, which means Adam was a seed that all of us came from Adam. And then Jesus came as a seed, meaning we can be born into God through Jesus, and Jesus passes on the image of the nature to us the same way a seed does in its reproduction. The difference is we're born of the first family of Adam through reproduction, through our parents getting together and and procreating, but to be born into the second seed is by faith, through accepting Jesus. This is why it's important we share our story and share our testimony so people can be born again. Now I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, still in some of our root verses. I'll start in verse 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being or a living soul. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Talking about the two Adams, the two seeds. The first Adam became a living being or a living soul. That's telling you that's where you came to existence. You never existed before in history until you were conceived in your mother's womb. And that's when you came into existence. That's the power of the seed. That's what God gave to Adam. He gave him the power to reproduce. Me and my wife, we created two little creatures that never existed before. From that power that God gave Adam, that's what gave us power to procreate and create creatures Harrison and Ava are our two little creatures that we birthed into this world. They came into existence the moment they were conceived. And they're going to live for eternity. They live forever. What an incredible power God gave to man, gave to Adam. But then he corrupted it. God's answer was to send a second seed, Jesus, 
to be born into the family of the first seed. So legally, we can be born out of the family of Adam and into the family of God. But we had to first be born. Someone said, well, if two born-again believers have a child, is that child's nature born again? Well, no, it's not, because the power to procreate came from that breath that he gave into Adam. So that's where the power to procreate came from, not from our salvation. So the power to bring children into existence comes from the family of Adam. But now that you're in the family of God, you also have the second ability to lead people into Christ to being born again. So for my family, we've led our children. We gave them life. We brought them into existence. But the only nature we could give them was from the first man, Adam. The only power we had to produce a child came from that breath through Adam. So we produced these two little children that never existed before, gave them existence, And then we gave them true life by salvation, by sharing the gospel with them and leading them into Christ. So this is the first man, Adam, being a living being, living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. So see, he's saying the natural came first. You can't get to salvation until you're first born of the family of Adam. Now we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And we're we're working our way to John chapter 10 because it's beautiful verses and you'll completely understand it, hopefully, once you understand these messages on the seed. God had to insert into the lineage of Adam, into the lineage of the human race, a human into that seed, through the seed, he had to bring in a human. But that human had to be like created with the image of God on the inside of him. And that's why Jesus was born of a virgin Mary. He did not come from the offspring of Adam, but through the leg- legally through the lineage of Adam. There's nothing in Jesus that looked like Joseph, his father. So here we're just going to read one verse. Verse 29 of Romans chapter 8. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. I'm going to stop there. He's talking about the Old Testament saints that were in Abraham's bosom. When Jesus preached to them and brought them out of hell, out of Abraham's bosom, and they all were born again, but they couldn't be born again until Jesus came. That's why Abraham, he believed in something, that wasn't there. He believed in the Savior that wasn't there yet. But because of that belief in him, that a Savior was coming, that allowed him to be held until Jesus came. So the ones who that he foreknew and the ones that he predestined are the Old Testament saints. He predestined, pre-planned a way for their salvation because they couldn't be saved until Jesus came. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So that is a a powerful quote. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. And he's talking about the Old Testament saints. He he pre-planned and predestined them, the ones who were in Abraham's bosom, a path for their salvation, because they died before Jesus came. They didn't even lose hope that a Savior was coming. And Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. 
So Jesus was the firstborn, not the first resurrected, because we know in the scripture that many people were raised from the dead before Jesus even came. But here it says he was the firstborn of many brethren. He was the firstborn. He was the the avenue that we were born into the family of God. And it was through Jesus. There's no other way but through Jesus. Now, uh, I'll share that vision I had with you once again about a train. I saw a train, and this train was dark green, and it had windows with bars on it. Everything was locked up. Painted on the train, it said, Human Race. And it was a super long train with many cars. And it was going down the track. And I could follow the track down this long desert. And it went off a cliff into hell. And the train was just taking people and dropping them off into hell. Inside the train is where the human race was born. The human race was born inside the train. They were locked inside the train. There was no way out. The one door was padlocked. The windows were barred. Inside this vision, if you walked through the cars of the train, you found different cultures and different people all sitting around in their families, and they were just reproducing inside the train, but no one could escape the train. There was no way out. So they were born and they lived and died inside this train called the human race. But if you follow where the train was going, they were all going to hell. This was not God's plan or God's design or even God's fault. This was Adam's fault. Adam changed the nature of the seed inside of him and went from being the seed for God to produce children that were born with the nature of life in them to now producing children with the nature of sin in them. Once again, I want to just add that we do believe that children who die before the age of accountability, they are predestined or pre-planned. God made a way for them to, to go to heaven and find salvation there before the age of accountability. But the human race is full of people that were born with the nature of sin in them upon this train, and that train was going off a cliff. And someone says, well, why do we need to get saved? Why does God rebuke a good person? Why does God not allow people to go to heaven who are uh, humble and lay their life down and are good to other people, other religions. Why is God so hard that he just won't accept anyone else? Well, this is the explanation that there's only one way to go to God, and that is through the avenue that he provided, the only avenue he could provide. He couldn't fix the human race. He couldn't rescue the human race. He can only make a way for the human race to be born out of the family of Adam and born into a new family that Jesus was the seed for. So Jesus was the final Adam. Jesus became the answer for the first Adam's failure. Jesus became the answer. He opened the door for man to come through him to God. And so that's why with that whole picture of the seed that we've talked about in these past teachings, now we can look at John chapter 10. And prayfully it will open up so much to you when you understand this. John chapter 10, Jesus said, Most assuredly, verse 1, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up another way is the same as a thief and a robber. So let's get some context on John chapter 10. And to do so, we want to go back to John chapter 9 because it's an ongoing 
saga here, even though it's changed chapters, it's the same story. John chapter 9, we'll start in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Now the story is that Jesus healed the blind man. The blind man got excited and began to share about Jesus, and the Pharisees got hold of him. Remember, the Pharisees are those who taught the Old Testament. And the Pharisees got hold of him and said, Hey, uh, what are you doing? He said, Well, this man must be a man of God. He healed me on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees hated Jesus. And they said, Well, that's impossible. How can be a man of God and work on the Sabbath? And they rebuked him eventually and cast him out. So Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And Jesus went and said, well, Who do you believe that I am? Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? I love this this ex-blind man. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. So here Jesus makes the claim that I am the Son of God to the blind man. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. So those that do not see, like you, Mr. Blind Man, will see, but those who see will be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees, now remember the Pharisees were the teachers of the Old Testament. Now, some of them taught more than the Old Testament, added a bunch of legalistic uh, rules and regulations. They were the professional preachers of God. They represented God to the people. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. So he's telling them basically, Yeah, you're blind. You're blind to who God really is. Now, chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is a shepherd to the sheep. So this is very important, these words here. He's saying that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was never meant to be the answer to find God. The legalistic rules, the law, the way you would have to take a sheep and have it slaughtered, taking the lamb to the high priest, the high priest representing you, all the rules of the Old Covenant, what you ate, how you dressed, was never to be God's answer to a relationship with God. It was only to be the avenue that God used to bring Jesus into the earth. So the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, all the rules, regulations, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, but I'm talking about all the rules and regulations. All of that was a testimony of Jesus coming, the Lamb of God. And there he was in front of them, and they couldn't even see that he was the Son of God. That's why he called them blind. And he says that everyone who tries to come, verse 1, Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way is the same as a thief and a robber. So trying to get access to God through the Old Covenant was not the answer. This is not where we want to live, guys. 
this is not where we want everyone to stay. This was just to bring Jesus, me, into the world so we can go find God the proper way and become the family of God. God doesn't want us to be servants or slaves. He wants us to be family that are servants and slaves to him. Verse 2, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So he mentions the door, and he who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So now he says, But he who enters a door, so I want you to see a door, and this door is, I believe, the door into the legal way that God had to bring the answer, the final seed, Jesus. See, God's answer for salvation wasn't to have you just repent of your sins and go to church and bow down and worship him like you're God and I'm just a worm. His answer was to get us out of the old covenant and into the family of God through Jesus, which meant being born into another seed. Who's smarter than God to make it possible for us to be born of one seed and then to be born again into another seed, by another seed? You are no longer of the old family. You're no longer of Adam's seed. You're of the seed of Christ. To him the doorkeeper opens. So I believe this is talking about how God legally opened the door for Jesus to be born into the family of God. Any other attempt to rescue humans, to fix humans, any other way of trying to to get off that train was not allowable. God opened the door onto the train for Jesus. Jesus was legally born inside that train, but without the nature of a human. That's what this is talking about. He was born inside the human race, but he did not have the nature of Adam. But it wasn't illegal because legally he came through the family of Abraham. And legally as a seed he was born inside the human race. Inside of that lineage of Adam that came from the seed of Adam. To him the doorkeeper opens. I believe that is God that opened the way through Mary and through the family and through the Jews. That's why they were so important. Was because they were the pathway that legally allowed Jesus to be born inside their family, by the blood inside that family. But then, once he was born, he was able to rescue the whole human race, not just the Jews. To him the doorkeeper opens, verse 3, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they'll by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. So now he's calling these Pharisees thieves and preachers of the thieves, preachers of blindness, (laughs) and now he's calling them strangers. And he says that the shepherd leads the sheep out. What's the out of? Well, he's leading them out of the human race into this new family that he's going to... Now remember, he hasn't died yet, so he's preaching about the future, about his purpose, that he's come to die as the Lamb of God, a perfect human, and because of that, he legally can die for us and then resurrect 
and be the firstborn of many brethren, the firstborn of a new family called the children of God. The seed, he became the seed. This is when his death and resurrection is when the seed now comes to life. And it's like any seed. You plant it, it dies. You plant it, and then it comes to life. Well, that's Jesus. Jesus died, and then his ability to reproduce. It didn't happen until he died, because he would have done it here. If it could have done with him just being here, it couldn't come the power to reproduce, to make a way for us to be born out of the family of Adam. It could not happen until Jesus died and was resurrected. And he says that I'll lead them out. We'll go to verse 5. Yet they'll by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So even though these Pharisees were preaching under the old covenant, the word of God, he calls them strangers because the old covenant was not where God wanted people to stay. It was only to to legally bring Jesus through the family of Adam. Legally, he inserted Jesus onto that train called the human race. But he was the light in the family of darkness. He was the light inside the human race that didn't exist. It was impossible for it to happen until God made a way in the prophecy, the seed of the woman, Jesus will bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head, talking to Satan. And the problem with the Pharisees was not that they were preaching the covenant of the old covenant, but they were not allowing the answer of that covenant, the finishing of the covenant, Jesus. They were not allowing people, they are holding people back from accepting the new covenant, the new way of Jesus. Because you don't have a covenant with God. Jesus has the covenant with God the Father. You're born of God. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So this is not a parable. It's not a story. This is a picture to help you see what was going on, what Jesus was doing. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So now he's the door. Man, Jesus is the one-man play. He played every part of our salvation. Amazing what God did because he loves you. So Jesus here, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So now he's the door. So the way I want you to see this is on the train, the human race, which was going down the track and going to end up in hell. On this human race, this train, that's where all every human is born inside that train. They could not get out. They could not escape. They just settled that this is our life inside this train. And they lived and died, and that's the human race. And the problem was the train was going down a path that was going to end in hell. There was no rescue in it. Jesus was born inside the train, legally. And then it says, I am the door. Jesus created a door that didn't exist. And then he led the humans, if they chose to be born again, out of the train. Jesus opened the door, created a new family called the children of God outside of the train. And then allowed us, if we chose, to step through the door into salvation, into the new family. The firstborn of many brethren was Jesus. Then everyone else who was born again was in that family. He was the firstborn. You're in that line because you were born again. 
Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. This is talking about the devil, but he's talking also about the preachers of the Old Testament, the the ones who were not allowing people to be born again. So he's calling these Pharisees all kinds of names. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. So now he's not only the door, he's also the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, now he's calling these guys hirelings, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I am known. I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Talking about the Old Testament saints in Abraham's bosom, the ones that he had foreknown and predestined for salvation. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Jesus here is telling us the pathway of salvation through the family of the Jews. Jesus came legally as the seed inside of Abraham's family, inside of Adam's uh, seed, the seed of Adam. Jesus legally was born inside the train. And then he grew up, died as the Lamb of God, and then was resurrected. In that resurrection, he opened a door that didn't exist. And as he opened that door, on the other side of the door was the children of God, the family of God. There was no other door. He was the only, the only way to get off the train. The only way for anyone to get off of the train is to be born again through Jesus. There's no other path. There's no other religion. There's not good works. There's nothing anyone can do. They were trapped on the train. And that train is going to take them all the way to hell. And the reason we must be born again is not to offer God a, I just humble myself, God, okay, I give up. It's not just a token. It's not just a token of words, a token of actions. It's a legal process. You had to be born and put into the seed of Christ. Or the seed of Christ had to be passed on to you by you accepting it by faith. The first time you you were born was by that breath that God breathed into Adam. He gave life into Adam and gave him the power of the seed is called the law of Genesis, which basically means that God created a seed and gave it power to reproduce uh, without God doing it. The same way that you were born by the will of man, by the will of your parents, that's what allowed you to be born, to come into existence. 
but you were born with the nature of darkness. That's all that you can from that seed of Adam. But now that you came, the natural came first, now the spiritual is possible. Now it's possible for you to be born out of that family. And God created a whole new family, another seed called Jesus. The plan of Jesus was to open the door for the people born of the seed of Adam to now be born again of the seed of Christ. So that you're born again, it's legally that you're now of the family of God. That is legally done. It wasn't God hijacking anything the devil did. He didn't overpower the devil with power and might. He legally made a way for Jesus to be born into the family of Adam. But he was born without the nature of darkness. So in Bethlehem, on that train, there was a a little light. One light shined in the whole train. Up till then, everyone was dark. Every nature was dark. And then for 33 years, he was the only light that walked around the earth until he died and was resurrected. And now the seed had the power to be passed on. The image within the seed, we call it the nature of Christ, the spirit, the nature of Christ, now could be passed to you. And when you accepted Jesus, he reached into you, took out the nature that you got from Adam, and then replaced it with the nature of Christ a nature of light. If I take a seed and I plant it in the ground, that seed's going to reproduce what the image that's inside of it. And that's the puzzle for many believers because now they have a nature of life in them. It's time to start living holy. It's time to start living in faith. It's time to start believing and living by the nature inside of us. We're still wearing the outward man, the flesh, of the old man and that's where your fight comes for sin and wrong desires and all the all your troubles come from your flesh but you have the nature inside of you now that's why we have to transform it doesn't come automatic you have to transform you have the nature you're complete in him but now that image of him the holiness the the life in him is supposed to come forward be brought forward into our daily life. And that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And that's love and joy and peace. These are things that only come from the nature inside of us that are pulled forward. And it's fruit because fruit comes from a mature tree. This is why there's a process. This is why it takes work to pray, not works. The difference between works, works with an S, works is things someone might do to try to earn God's approval. But work is sweat. It's exerting effort. See, we're to work and press into God, press into the things of the Spirit. That's why we want to take time praying in the Holy Ghost every day. That's a spiritual act that will bring that image of Christ forward in you and bring the fruit forward of holiness and the fruit of joy and peace and love. And you may have to make choices against the wrong desires, but that's not forever. The struggle is not forever. You can grow and mature in God from the image inside of you that was planted in you the moment you were born again. Again, what an amazing, incredible miracle it was for our salvation. God didn't snuff you out and just create another creature in his image and just name him your name. There's not a, he didn't just snuff out me and say, here's Alan, born a new man, 
and I'm gone, but the, the another guy named Alan is now in the following God. God amazingly allowed us to keep existing without snuffing us out. And because of that, he had to do so many things to make a way for you just to have the opportunity to be born again. Who loves you more than God? No one. Who believes in you more than God? No one. He loves you. He believes in you. He, you have His nature now inside of you. You are born of God. You're of the family of God. You're a child of God. And yes, we're going to fight with things in our flesh. We're going to struggle with things in our natural body, thoughts, desires, brokenness. But this is all in our natural man, our natural body. And we're to mortify those. And we're to overcome those. And what gives us the power to overcome those? Mortification is different than just putting things to the side. Mortification is killing the wrong desires and wrong intents of this natural man. So yes, there is a process of growing. There is a struggle many times in knowing what's of the flesh and what's of God and choosing to live like God wants you to live and to growing in the Spirit, to invest into prayer, to invest time into reading the Word, to invest time into worshiping God, to invest time into fasting. This is work, but it's not works. We're not trying to get God to give us something that He already gave us. We're trying to grow the image of Christ that He gave us, the seed, to bring that image forward. We're trying to grow that to mature. As it matures, we're also putting to death the lie of our past. We're no longer accepting our past as who we are. We're no longer accepting our failures as who we are because we're born of God. So I want to tell you that if you're struggling in something, if you're believing for something and it hasn't happened yet, if you're walking with God and you're struggling or you're having a battle, it's not because you're not born of God. It's not because the nature is not in you. Sometimes in my early walk, I would pray, God, please, please, God, please. Don't let the trumpet sound on a, a Monday or a Friday. Please let the, your return, <laughs> I guess I now have to say, please let your return come in my time zone <laughs> at, at exactly on a Sunday. I wanted God's return to come on a Sunday because in my mind, if I thought I had a bad day, I thought I lost my salvation. I thought I had a bad day, a bad thought, a bad choice, a bad decision. I would lose my salvation. I had to be born again before he came back. So I, want, I needed God to return, not on a Monday or Tuesday, because the chances of me having a bad day were higher on Monday, Tuesday, especially on Friday and Saturday. But on Sunday, I was in church. So praise God, I, there's a better chance for me being good on Sunday. So please, God, make sure you return on a Sunday in my time zone, my Sunday, so that I can make it. But see, the reason I was struggling and battling wasn't because I did not have his nature. It was because I had to get that image inside of me, my new nature. I had to get the image inside of it like a seed. I had to let it grow and mature. And as it grew and mature, I've learned who I was. And I've learned what I don't have to put up with with my flesh anymore. I've grown in strength and wisdom and knowledge. 
through knowing who I am. And that's why it's work to pray sometimes. It feels like work. God, do I have to pray? It's so much easier just to watch TV or play sports or to do different things. Why do I have to pray? Why do I have to pray in tongues? Why do I have to read your word? That's just for preachers, right? No, that's for all of us so we can take the image of the seed. That's, the you might say, the, the fertilizer for that image to come forward. And as that image grows inside of us, we realize that's who I am. That's who my Father made me. I don't have to put up with this anymore. I don't have to accept this weakness and these wrong desires anymore. I can confront them. Holiness should start the moment you're saved, because now your nature is no longer trapped. Before you were saved, you were on that train, and you were trapped. You, were, you could be good, but you still were a sinner. But after you were born again, you got off that train. You're no longer on that train. And that's our message to the world. We're trying to reconcile the world to God. God's not holding your sins against you anymore. Come on, come on, just just step through the door. Step out of the train into the, the family of God. Come on, get off the train. Get off the train. Quit living on the train. Well, I'm good. I, I've been good. I've been helping people on the train. I've been feeding the poor. I've been clothing people. I've been nice. I'm not stealing. I've been kind. Yes, but you're still on the train, and the train goes off into hell. You must be born again. And the only door for your salvation, the only door is for you to be born into another family. you got to get born off the train. Here's the door. Jesus is the door. And he came legally. And then as the door was created, he became the shepherd and said, Now follow me. The same path that I did into death and resurrection is a path that you have to do. And we'll use one more verse. We've read it before in a few other teachings, but let's go to Romans chapter 6. I'll start in verse 5, and then I'll get to chapter 6. Verse 18, chapter 5. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. That's talking about Adam, the first seed. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. Talking about Jesus, the seed that came through the woman Mary. However, the law entered that offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now God rescued us through grace. He didn't rescue the human race. He didn't instantly fix the human race. The human race could not be fixed. He opened the door for us to be born out of the human race and born into a new family from a new seed called Jesus. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? So this is the question. Now, do I keep living like a human now that I'm born again? The answer is certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So why would we want to keep sinning? The message of the gospel isn't that you should be perfect the moment you're born again, have no thoughts for sin, have no desires for sin. The message of the gospel, once you're born again, you need to quit trying to sin. You need to quit justifying sin. You need to tell sin, I no longer want you, and fight it and fight it and fight it and walk holy. And if you fail, repent. But there's more that can come. And that's the fruit. If you pray in the Holy Ghost and you 
you worship and you meditate the Word of God, that image of God's going to grow in you, and soon the desires for sin will leave. But just because the desire's there doesn't mean you're still of the human race. It just means you're wearing a body that you have to mortify. Well, preacher, why didn't God just change my body? He will, but he couldn't until the finishing of the gospel. He, until the trumpet sounds, we don't receive a new body, an eternal body. We will get a new body. This old body will fall off of us, either when we die or when the trumpet sounds. He couldn't do it because then we would be out of the human race. What good would we be anyway? We'd be in heaven. God wants us to help rescue as many people out of the human race and bring them into the family of God. Verse 20, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that, that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace is not the ability to be a child of God and keep sinning. Grace is the strength to quit sinning and to walk in all that God has for us. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This is talking not about water baptism, but you went into God's death. You followed Jesus into death. You were baptized into death. The nature of sin died. That's when God took that nature out the nature of sin that I was born with, the nature I received from the first seed was extinguished. It died the moment I was born again, and I was given a new image of the new seed, Jesus. That's the image that's in me now. That's the new nature. Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So you died with Christ. You followed the shepherd through the door, through death. That was when you accepted Jesus. You followed him through death and then resurrected the same way Jesus was in life and that's the image that you got. You got off the train. Praise God. You're no longer on the human race train. So quit lo- living like a human. Quit living like a, a mere man and live like Christ wants us to. Let's pursue holiness. Let's pursue God. Let's pursue all his things. And let's get it from him. Too much of the world's philosophy, thoughts, ideas have crept into the church. And it's trying to teach Christians the the world philosophy <laughs> The trained philosophy, the human race belief system is trying to teach creatures of a new species, the human race, the family of God. The human race is trying to teach the family of God how to be the family of God. Stop going to the world to learn who you are. Go to Him. Go to the Word and learn who you are, who you have a right to be. Nothing has a right to stop you. Nothing. The devil, your flesh, your family, your mistakes, your past, the economy... Nothing has the right to stop you from walking in this world, powerfully changing this world as a child of God. I'll close with this. Pastor Dave told us uh, the one parable that God showed him. And it was a man broke into a house 
to rob it. And he was describing the difference between mercy and grace. How much God went from effort he made in his grace. And he said the man comes in and he he's going to rob a house and the owner comes out and he stops him with a gun and says, Hey, freeze. Put your hands up. The man drops the TV and says, I'm sorry, please, please don't don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. Please don't call the police. I have a family that's starving. I need help. Please don't don't shoot me. Don't call the police. And the owner says, all right, I'm going to have mercy on you. Get out of here. Don't come back and quit robbing people. Put my TV back up there. Now go, get, shoot. Don't come back. I'm having mercy on you. That's mercy. That's what you see in the old covenant. God's mercy on the human race. But then... Grace is the same man comes in and robs and the owner catches him. Freeze. Put your hands up. Drop my TV. Well, gently put my TV down. The thief says, I'm so sorry. I have a family. Please have forgive me. And the owner says, listen, I'm a wealthy man. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to also adopt you, bring you into my family. Now, you weren't adopted. You were born into the family of God. You adopt a new body, but you were born into the kingdom of God. But the owner says to the thief, All right, robber, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to make you my son. I'm going to give you my name. Everything I own now belongs to you. You are an heir to all my money and all that I have. You no longer have to rob another day. You don't have to steal another day. You have access to my bank accounts. You have access to my food. All of this belongs to you. That is grace. So why would we continue to rob other people to act like sinners when God's given us everything? Let's grow up. Let's mature in God. Let's let that image of Christ that we received from the seed of Christ, let that image come forward and the holiness, and the righteousness, and the love, and the joy, and the peace, the long-suffering, the kindness. Let that come from our inner man that has taken the image from our new nature and brought it forward. And let's rule over outward man. We don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of the world because God is our Father. We're born of Him. We are now in His family, and all that He has belongs to us. All of heaven is standing behind you right now with all of its miracle, with all of its provision, and it is wanting to bless us, to to pour on to us all those things. And in the struggle of life where you're trying to find that place, who am I, where am I, why do I have temptations, why do I have wrong desires, that's your natural man. But the real you is born of God. And you can rule over that natural man and mortify it. If you don't give up, keep praying Keep fasting, keep worshiping, keep meditating the word. Let's not stop because there's so many great things ahead for you. Thank you for spending time with me. God bless you.